but we do appreciate you listening to us on Anchor and Spotify and Rumble and YouTube. We enjoyed bringing this to you guys every week. We have a great time. My man Billy Martin's over there, got a cold daddy over there in hand, enjoying his Wednesday, this very nice day in Dallas, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but just stick around for a couple of days. We'll be back in the 20s. And uh, but, but yep. we would like you to subscribe to us. Just go over there and click on that. That helps us up. Give us a little monetary conversation. And we appreciate your suggestions and thoughts. Please leave those up. We like to bring anything you think that may be really, really good for you guys to listen to. Um, I do have a friend by the name of Danny Bond that said he'll come on. I mean, you know, I think you know Danny from Texas Tech. He is the voice of the Kansas City Monarchs. Um, and they just won their independently their league last year, the American Association last year. Well, the reason I want to get them on is because Jackie Robinson started his minor league career with Kansas City Monarchs back in the day. So with it being the 75th anniversary, I would really like to get him on and he gets to pick his brain a little bit about that because I know it's been a big deal. Um, I know they're going to do some things during the season about that. But um, so I know that's one guest we'd like to get on. So. Anyhow, I would like to talk about a little bit about it's just the tribute that Coach K had this weekend um, up in Durham. He, he coached his last game in um, at Durham and I, it, this past weekend against his arch rival, North Carolina. He had over 90 of his former players there. Um, he had, you know, I mean, just the tributes that came out to him were amazing. Dick Vitale, who's been battling um, cancer had a letter that yeah. he wrote out to him many, many, many years ago that they read at Cameron was really, really emotional, just, you know, a tear-jerk type of deal. Um, I know Dick Vitale was really upset that he couldn't get there because he's been going through chemotherapy itself. And, um, but the one good thing about that is that Dick Vitale did tweet over the weekend that he's in remission. So, you know, kudos to Dick Vitale. I think, you know, in our era, the way we've been along here, I don't think there's been anybody any bigger in college basketball than Dick Vitale since, you know, we started paying attention to it. So it's nice that he's, you know, in remission. And I hope it stays that way because we did miss him this year. There's no question we did. Um, you know, Billy, I was going to say, Coach K is kind of one of those guys where a lot of people argue that he may be the best college basketball coach of all time. I'm probably going to lean towards Wooden, what he did out in UCLA all those years, winning 11 titles in 13 years. I'm probably going to lean towards that. But I could see the argument for Coach K because Coach K, he's coached in an environment that has roster change constantly. Um, he coached in the one-and-done environment. He coached in the league where they had to leave. You could leave after their junior year. Um, you know, he coached in a, one arguably the toughest um, conference you know, in college basketball in the ACC. Um, and he's done it for 42 years. And, I, you know, you, you could say he's got bad language and he could say he berates his players and all that. But for the most part, for a guy that's been in the coaching ranks for 42 years, you're not going to have a whole lot of bad words said about him. And that, to me, is bigger than anything else. Absolutely. You know, I notice... <sighs> I notice a lot of coaches get something I call coach's disease, where it becomes everything is about them. You know, all of a sudden the talks about us and we are my program and, you know, it, it, it's all about them and they start coaching scared. They start 
you know, their philosophy is about more about not losing in a, in a weird way almost than it is about winning and and pushing their guys out there and believing in them. They spend more time berating them and screaming at them. And and, and to me, he, he was one of those guys that always seemed like he kept that balance and, and kept that effective for the most part. And, and it was so important to him to, to turn out graduates, to turn out guys that that were good human beings. And and he did. He had a lot of players. Me. By the cameras, but uh, I don't know with that stuff. You usually, usually end up finding out if they're bad guys. Eventually, something happens, and I don't know. I had to do lunch with three years ago, um, and and he really, I mean, he really loves Coach K as, as a person, and and they have a real friendship, and. Um, and talk about a real guy, mm-hmm. you know, he's the same guy you see on camera when you, when you really talk to him. I mean, you know, it's, uh, he, he's, he's definitely Dick Vitale. He's, he, it's not an act. And the thing about Coach K is, you know, to use a baseball adage, he didn't lose anything off this fastball. I mean, the guy still can flat out coach. I mean, you know, to have that kind of energy level at that age to do that and still be perennially, you know, one of the top five programs year after year after year after year. Um, you know, here's a guy that if you look at his first three years on the job, he probably should have been fired with that record. And that athletic director, Buters, he probably made the smartest decision he ever did was giving him an extension against all the alumni and all the boosters of Duke because they wanted him out of there. I think that that may buy, that may be the most important NCAA basketball decision ever made, probably because wow. you're talking about if he's not the best, it's one A and one B that ever did it. And like I said, his record was awful. He replaced Bill Foster, who went on to South Carolina, and I mean, you know, they were ready for him to be gone. So. You know, we always talk about giving a coach a little time to get his players and get a system and get his system in there. This is one mm-hmm. time where it paid off immensely. <laughs> nice. nice. Well, it was, well, and I wanted to say it was really nice to see all the tributes, all the former players, a lot of players I had forgotten that were there. You know, I know that they got their, you know, they got curb stopped in the second half by the rival North Carolina. We had a couple of assistant coaches that, you know, a couple of coaches didn't want to shake hands at the end of the game, which I said, you know, I said, you know, to me, I think he just grin and bear it and shake the hand because you don't want to be the side note on Coach K night. Because I think Coach K more than earned that night. But as I was telling you off camera, I thought the biggest thing was that after the game was over and you got beat by your arch rival in the last game at Cameron Indoor Stadium, he came out and thanked. I mean, numerous people, and it was about a 40-minute monologue that he did after the game, just thanking people, thanking his family. He went out of his way to thank his wife repeatedly, which, you know, was really touching. And, you know, he went, I mean, everything was class except that they got beat, you know, and I mean, and that that really exudes what I think Coach K is. He's class. I'm a Duke hater, 
I, I love it when they get beat. I'm not a Coach K fan, but I respect the hell out of him because he is one guy that you knew you better bring your A game. You stood a chance to beat him because you weren't going out. You weren't going to outcoach him. And I said, you know, me being a North Carolina lean, you know, it was hard to <laughs> take those lumps from Duke over the years. But I respected that man from everything about him. That's for sure. Well, like you said, I think about it. You know, losing losing to Carolina. <laughs> it's an easy. It's not easy for anybody, but let alone a guy with six national championships who's got the most wins in college basketball history. Um, yeah, that that was a hard one for him to flush the toilet on. I have a feeling, but <laughs> you know what? Here's to you, Coach K. You yes, were absolutely. Cheers him. And, you know, cheers to him because the game is going to be much worse without him. That's for sure. I mean, there's just no replacing that. And, John Shire, you got enormous shoes to fill next year, buddy. I mean, enormous. I hope the Benjamins help you because, you know what, there's going to be a few times you're going to be sitting in that office with a little Chevis wriggling going, why did I replace this legend? <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, but we do appreciate you listening to us. Um, I want to get you some NFL notes here real quickly with you, Billy. Wow, we had a few things that happened with the franchise tag designation. Deadline came and went yesterday. We had a big signing finally up in Green Bay. We had, a oh, I should say, a big decision made in Green Bay. Um, I was going to say this last week on the podcast with you. I was so sick and tired of the Aaron Rodgers stories. I was getting so beat down by it. his girlfriend, not together, don't know, and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, he's going to sign the biggest, going to have the most average pay over Mahomes, you know, at 38 years old, $200 million contracts. He's going to stay in Green Bay. They're going to keep Adams, you know, seems like status quo there in Green Bay. But the biggest thing was, I thought that was huge, was Russell Wilson getting traded to the Denver Broncos. You know, 10 years in, yeah. uh, ten years in Seattle, nine Pro Bowls, you know, two Super Bowl appearances, a Super Bowl win for Russell Wilson. I mean, I didn't know, I, you know, he has a limited no trade clause in his contract, um, Russell Wilson does. And, you know, just because you go to Denver, does that make Denver all of a sudden a Super Bowl contender? and? And what you and I both have said, a very highly contested quarterback room now in the AFC, I don't know. I mean, his chances of getting to the Super Bowl might have been better if he stayed in Seattle, to me. I'm just looking at it from my outside in. <laughs> uh, yeah, that – I'm wondering if we're going to find out the rest of that story. Oh, sure. There's more to it. Well, you know, remember, we're last year came out and blasted, well, we came out and blasted Seattle last year about not protecting him enough. Remember, the offensive line was an issue, and that was kind of the rumblings that oh, he that's was right. unhappy in Seattle. So, you know, it's been kind of lingering. You know, there's no – festering probably is the better, better thing. No, it's been festering for a while, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, heck, he missed six games this year when he broke his fingers, the first time he ever missed any pro games since he was in the in the league, which is remarkable in itself. Um, 
you know, they were still very competitive. I mean, if I think about it, they won the last game against Arizona. The Arizona needed that game to win the division, and they beat them. So, I mean, they're still competitive in Seattle. But, you know, when you move to the AFC and you have to go against Pat Mahomes twice a year in the same division, you got, you know, Herbert in San Diego, you got to go against him two times a year in the same division. Say what you want to about Derek Carr in the Raider land. He's still a pretty good quarterback. You got to go up against him. And that doesn't even get to the other side, you know, uh, you know, of the AFC. So I just, I just don't know if that's, a, you know, I don't know if that's a firm and more to me, maybe, maybe, I don't think it's even a lateral move to me, maybe, but anyhow, it, it shook up things, that's for sure, because now if you make the Pro Bowl in the AFC, you more than earned it. <laughs> I mean, oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> they have some great quarterbacks in the AFC. I mean, good grief. You know, and then, you know, I think, the other thing I was telling you off camera, I think this is a huge open window for your Dallas Cowboys, meaning Dak yeah. Prescott probably the second best quarterback now in the NFC behind Aaron Rodgers. And I mean, Aaron Rodgers is on the back end of his career. I mean, we can't expect him to keep winning MVPs at 39 and 40 years old. I say that and uh, Tom Brady, you know, did it all the way up until he's 44. (laughs) But I mean, arguably you could say Matthew Stafford, maybe too over Dak. But I mean, Matthew Stafford's also got it in his about to be in mid thirties. So, you know, Dak's about to hit his prime. And I mean, he's got a golden opportunity here now because I think it's a wide open wild, wild west right now in the in the, in the NFC. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It's it's gonna be interesting to see because all the quarterbacks are there, it feels like. And- yeah. <laughs> And, and even the young, even the young quarterback in the NFC is Kyler Murray, and he's been kind of unstable. I mean, you'd say. I mean, he's had some good first halves, but he hasn't ended well the last three years in 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 Arizona at all. So I mean, I just you know the Cowboys can ever can just get them right. They have an opportunity to be you know like a Kansas City or somebody that's always going to seem like to be there at the end. You know they have an opportunity to be knocking on that door now. Now they had to make some moves to get underneath the cap, which is going to hurt them in the future. And they're going to get rid of Amani Cooper. They're going to get rid of probably um, Deep Demarcus Lawrence too. So those are two big mm. huge holes you're going to have to fill, and you don't have money under the cap really to fill those. So you may take a step back a little bit. But once dead money comes off your salary cap, you can go back out and get some players. Um, but I, it's just, it, to me, you know, if it's Kirk Cousins, you know, of the world, you know, the Jalen Hurts of the world, you know, your, your, your Wentz, that's not putting any fear in the NFC out of anybody to me. You know, I mean, I just, I just don't see it. Well, it's, funny because everybody questions the cap and all competitive stuff. balance <laughs> yeah and, and of course cowboy fans all doubt jerry knows what he's doing and i'm like well it comes to one thing when it comes to the cap i think he might understand that because he did invent the damn thing you know but 
What do I know? <laughs> I think Stephen Jones has that cap figured out. I think you have to make hard decisions that Jerry couldn't do that in the past. He was too emotionally tied with people. And if you get rid of a Demarcus Lawrence and Amani Cooper, then that tells me Stephen Jones Jr. is making that decision, not Jerry, because Jerry would keep those guys around until you know they were tired and they were and they can they can they can start drawing their pension. You know, I, I think if Troy if Troy Aikman still could throw a twenty yard out right now, he'd still be a cowboy as far as Jerry Jones is concerned. But you have to make those kind of decisions in this day and age now because when you have a good quarterback, you have a window. You know, you've got to win and you've got to maximize that window. And, you know, until then, you know, until Dak proves that he is not good enough to win the Super Bowl, you've got to you've got to reload every year and go after it. You know, you can't say, all right, we're going to have a down year. Let's rebuild this thing. You know, you can't do that, especially when the quarterback's in his prime. You just can't. The one for me that's the hardest to follow positionally is running back. As much as I love Ezekiel Elliott, to me, that position is so short-lived, right? And to me, it's something you should just be drafting one every three years, maybe every three, four years, ride them out and get a new one because – they don't last, and, you know, it's funny. Everybody said, oh, he's not even the best running back on the team. Yes, he is. He, he's still a great running back. We had we had two great complementary running backs right. that were very different. And He's an underrated you know, pass catcher out of the backfield. Very underrated. I think that's one of the aspects of Ezekiel Elliott that goes, un, goes way underappreciated. Way yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> And his blitz pickup, you know, keeping Dak up right. You know, that's not Tony Pollard's. That's not his strength at all. <laughs> so, you know, you, you can wish for some things. And, it, and when he's gone, then you have a better appreciation when your quarterback's getting drilled. You have a better appreciation of what he was doing for it. Because if you think about it, the one thing that Dak hasn't really taken a whole lot of big hits. And you can't really say that about a lot of quarterbacks. Normally, they, they take big hits throughout the year. And Zach doesn't, you know, Dak doesn't, you know, now you can say because people are holding, you know, because the Cowboys have a lot of holding calls, <laughs> but, right. oh, but you'd rather have the holding call than your quarterback being gone for four or six weeks, you know, Absolutely. I mean, you know, so, but uh, yeah, I mean, I really think that the end of, and, and this is one thing I wanted to say, I get your opinion on this. This is the one thing that this sport does better than any other sports. They beat the tar out of them. Is staying relevant with news 365 days through the year. You know, we just had the Super Bowl, what, three weeks ago. You know, you have free agency, you have your draft, you have, you know, they keep front and center with either news or positive news or get, gets the fan base excited. The NBA shuts down in the summer. You don't hear much unless the Olympics are on. You know, baseball shuts down in the winter. You have you have the winter meetings, but with COVID the last three years, we really haven't had that. So we really haven't had the time to really engage because of that. But they stay relevant where other sports go dormant for a little while. And I, mm-hmm. and that's the reason why they keep printing money in the NFL. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I mean, all you got with baseball in the offseason, the hot stove, the trade talks, the uh, – 
you know, the international signs, stuff like right. that. But um, which is interesting, especially if you're into fantasy baseball and all that stuff. But <laughs> but, but that's the key, you know. It it is. It's it, with football. You're right. They do a better job of that. And and, and baseball kind of gets hosed on the schedule. You know, their off season is when we're all paying attention to football. So, you know, yeah. it's hard to get into that room, you know, move over NFL news to put baseball news, you know, top of line because of that, you know, between college and, you know, NFL football. It's hard to kind of move in that corridor sometimes. But, you know, we've got to figure out a way of getting people excited about baseball all throughout the year. You and I will watch Arizona Fall League. You and I will watch – you know, the, you know, the Karaki, the, you know, the league and down there and the, the Latin leagues. But I can guarantee that most people are not watching that. And most people no. are not caring about that. And I don't know how you can engage to get the people to care. I mean, I really, I really don't. I mean. I don't know either because, you know, the, that's the stuff that need, they need to focus on. Yes. How do you keep PR? keep the tempo of the game moving forward and less pitching changes and, you know, quicker, quicker at bats. Um, no shifts. I, uh, shift doesn't bother me. Only it doesn't bother me at all either. I, I just, hit against just it. you know, you I, know? I, I, it bothers Joey Gallo. Because he only has one swing. <laughs> so, you know, it's, and somebody said this the other day, they go, why don't they have the shift to left field? And I looked at the guy and he was seen to be reasonably serious. I said, do you really think you're going to throw out a guy at first base playing left middle left field? I said, do you realize how far that throw is? Said, he goes, well, they have it in right field. I go, well, it's a shorter throw, you know, from middle right field to first base. <laughs> I'm still wondering if he was kind of jabbing at me or not, but he looked he looked perplexed by that. <laughs> but, but anyhow, I just get, you know, it would know. be great if you can just find a way to stay relevant in the offseason, you know, NBA, hockey, whatever. Because right now, you're getting the doors beat off you by the NFL, and we haven't even came to the draft yet, you know, in the NFL, which is going to pick up a lot of interest here in April. So, um, anyhow, I do want – we do appreciate you guys listening to this. Um, we do this weekly for you guys. It's my fun time of the week here to talk to Billy Martin Jr. We keep politics out of it. I know we mentioned Ukraine earlier, but we just want to do that in passing. Um, we try to keep – try to give you guys a break. We know that – the news seems to be a downer 24-7, and we want to give you guys just some opinions on some sports, maybe different opinions and different looks on how we feel about things, and try to bring out some different things for you guys to enjoy when you're walking your dog or at the gym or in your car. So we do appreciate you guys listening to us. And always look over on YouTube, Rumble, Anchor, and Spot and Spotify. Just subscribe there. It's real easy to do. Just hit that drop-down menu and hit subscribe. And I'll let you know when the podcast will come up. We generally tape on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So we do appreciate the audience. And like I said, we'll have a couple of guests coming up here too. And my last thing I'd like to talk about, and we'll just do this in passing a little bit, is the NCAA basketball tournament. I know ESPN promotes this being championship week all week. We've already had some great college ending games with the lower colleges already this week. 
I mean, we've had a phenomenal games and I always get excited because the little guy gets a little, you know, gets a little buzz right now. They get to be all happy. They get to go be with the big guys. And you see, you know, David and Goliath is what you could call it here. And I know for me, I got really into college. We were talking a little off camera here, Billy. For, and I know you kind of echoed these sentiments. I got into the NCAA Final Four bat bird magic, you know, in 79. That's what brought me to my passion side of this. I was telling you before, I knew that the, you know, the Final Four would come on. My parents would be watching and whatever. It wasn't the big end all. The World Series was the end all for me, you know, in the mid 70s. You know, that was a, a lot. I got mad when I missed some of that at school because they were playing day games. So, you know, you run home from the bus and it'd be the fourth or fifth inning and you'd be mad because you missed out. But uh, if, you know, the bird, oh, the, you know, bird magic put this final four to this humongous level, which then CBS decided to put in billions in a TV contract. And for you, Billy, I know it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful time of the year. It gets, it gets the, the average, no fan off the couch and pays attention to college basketball for four months. No, it is. And, and part of it is that David versus Goliath, you know, it's funny. It, remember when Gonzaga was that, yeah. <laughs> you know, David, and now it's a Goliath. That's kind of funny, you know. For me too, like the bird magic one was like the first one I really paid attention to as a kid. But you know, now that we're talking about Coach K, I don't think it was until I was really in college that it became where I didn't want to miss a game. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I, yes. I wanted to see them all. And that that team he had with, I remember Christian Leitner was on it. Uh, who was the little point guard? Bobby and, Hurley. Bobby Hurley. Hurley. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Yes. That was. Uh, that was a team. Yeah, the year. That I they, didn't. I don't know how many games I missed. I didn't. I didn't study like I should have that while that was going on. <laughs> I know that because we were we were trying to catch every game and. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to put any other playoffs kind of in that same feel with March Madness for me. Yeah, I think, I think you make an excellent point. I mean, the only thing I try to compare it to is maybe when the NFL playoffs start, you know, but the problem is with the NFL playoffs, you have, you have long breaks in action. Yeah. You know, the ends, you know, in basketball, you you got four days filled with basketball. And then three days later, you got four more days filled with basketball. You know, the NFL takes off five, you know, five days now since they're playing on Saturdays. But, um, you know, it's about to me is about the only way you can get to that. And now I would say that at one point in time, maybe baseball, because I always thought the postseason in baseball, the game got so much better you know, than what the regular season yeah. version was in baseball. And then, the, and then the atmosphere was so much better. But it still was nothing like the NCAA tournament. I mean, especially when you're seeing a high seed get beat. You know, it's, it's unreal yeah. how that, that, that arena changes, you know, just like that, you know, where the 15th seed has got a five-point lead over a number two seed. And you have no rooting interest. You don't know a player maybe on either team but you're locked right. in. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, and I can get excited about the college world series too, yeah. but 
one big difference in baseball and basketball, whoever's on the mound makes such a difference Absolutely. in a baseball game. So, so you can have that low seed beat the high seed if they've got, you know, a second-round pitcher on the mound that's really yeah. good. Softball, that doesn't happen very often. You know, it's, it's not – it takes the whole team and everything's got to work and click. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I still get very excited about it. Well, Billy, and think about this. The three-point line has really opened up the door for David in this era. You know, you can go out and shoot, have a really hot night with three-point line. That could be how you win the game. You know, that, that, that you yep. know, Lyle, Chicago. That, you know, they got to the Final Four twice in the last four years. I mean, Loyola, Chicago. I mean, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's, so you're talking about a Duke team that needed even look at one player on Loyola, Chicago to even think about recruiting. You know, they didn't even send out a letter to any of those guys over there. And they can get to the Final Four just like that Duke team that's got four and five, five-star players on their roster. You know, it's the only game where that generally can happen, but you did read right. I do think the pitching can kind of neutralize, you know, a lot of that also, because it does that in softball too. I mean, think about James Madison last year. They had a great pitcher in softball last year and they were able to get to the college world series last year, riding her back. So yes, you can do that more in baseball, but for pure excitement and arena, you know, across the United States where everybody seems like it's a holiday from that Thursday, 11 o'clock central time till 10 o'clock at night on that Sunday. And you kind of go, wow, my eyes are a little dreary. I've watched a lot of basketball, you know, (laughs) but it's always in, you know, you're and obviously the gambling aspect, you know, people picking out their brackets that had a lot to do with with their excitement. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. but, you know, bird and bird magic, you know, they, they were the pioneers, I call it, of getting that to the stratosphere. It was on the cusp of it, but they took it to the stratosphere, and man, it's and it hasn't came down much since then. There's there's no question because it's it's overly popular. Well, it's always, of course, it's during spring training, which has <laughs> always been more fun for me too because I'm usually at spring training in bars every night visiting my clients and watching basketball games. What's this thing called spring training? I've never heard of that. What is that called? Uh, (laughs) It's something they used to do in baseball. um, Get ready for the season. (laughs) I have a good Uh, friend of mine down in Bradenton that's a Pittsburgh Pirates spring training season ticket holder. And he goes, I'm tired of my spring training getting interrupted. It's the third year in a row now. It's been interrupted <laughs> some form or fashion. <laughs> and he goes, and I'm not getting much of a break on the ticket price either. You know, he said, you, you would think that they would say, here, let's knock off a couple bucks on the ticket price. But he goes, no, he said it keeps inching up and inching up. <laughs> I uh, said, well, how about a change? Well, spring training used to be actually that, you know, back in the 50s. My father would go. Spring training was where they got in shape for the season. So they showed up, started doing calisthenics and, you know, getting ready to play and getting in shape for the season because 
they spent the off season back then healing. You know, working. <laughs> yeah, working at a job. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have enough time to train. They had bills to pay. Wife's so like, really? go to the hardware store, do something, but get out of the house. We need some money. You know? We didn't make it to the World Series this year. <laughs> right. That's what that had to do. He had to go back home and sell cars. They didn't yeah. win the World Series. Unreal. Unreal, isn't it? Yeah. Well, hey, guys, we do appreciate you listening to us. Um, Billy and I have a wonderful time doing this weekly for you guys. So please subscribe to us if you can and look on all of our social medias. Like us there. Appreciate it. And we do. We love any of your suggestions and comments. We're thick skinned. We love it. It's something we do. Do you hate? Please let us know. We'll try our best not to do it anymore. Um, but uh, anyway, we'd like to do a a politic free 45 minutes to an hour with you guys every week we enjoy it too immensely billy you have a wonderful week i will touch base with you next week we got to do it a little earlier next week so i will be um um i'll be uh, no i don't i'll take that back we're good wednesday's good next week it'll be thursday for the last day i can do it so no we're good we'll be good good for next week audience we do appreciate you much ado we'll see you guys next week Kenny Matthews, Billy Martin. All right, now I want to try to don't hit that in button. Was that what I what did I do last week? Try, oh, here it is.